Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creator podcast. I am Haley alongside my other co-hosts, Charlie and Miguel, and we are waiting on... Oh, wait, hold on. Here he is. Here we go. There he is. Uh, this is our guest for... What t- an entrance. <laughs> I know. Right before we went live, Josh dropped off. So, you know, let's hope that he he sticks around. He wanted to make a grand entrance. <laughs> exactly. He wanted to make a grand entrance. <laughs> uh, computer just went crazy for a second. I'm sorry. Hey, technology. And also this has happened to, I think, all three of us at one point. We have all got kicked off like right before it went live. So you are not the only one. But oh, yeah. Let me introduce our guest today. Um, So we have my good friend, Josh Logan, who I've been wanting to come on this podcast for months now. Josh and I actually work together on creator sessions. He books all of our talent and helps me book all of our talent. So he has been, he's like my right-hand person when it comes to creator sessions, and it wouldn't be a thing if it weren't for him. And I am grateful for him every day, but he is also so much more than a booking agent. He is, um, he's a musician himself. He's been on the business side of music, uh, business ma- or music management. He was on a popular songwriting show called Songland. I think it was on NBC. He has a Patreon account and he is just building uh, his business, doing music in a multitude of different ways. And so we wanted to bring him on and talk about that today. So I'll let Josh introduce himself. And uh, I don't know, you can elaborate on all the things that I said, uh, but, you know, but elaborate on them. I love it. Well, thank you for the warm welcome and sorry again for dropping off. <laughs> but um, my name is Josh Logan, as Haley said. And um, yes, I went to business school knowing that I wanted to get into music or sports and I uh, fell into a job in music. My uncle just called me. I remember the day after I graduated and he's like, hey, my buddy owns a music entertainment company. Do you want a job? And I was like, yes. And I had no idea what it was. And it happened to be something I still do today, which is in the talent buying booking space. So I was basically helping brands, colleges, uh, private individuals book talent. It's kind of like if you, if you're going to buy a house, you, you know, use a, a broker to help you cause you probably have no idea what you're doing. So, um, that's kind of what I was doing for talent, but I've always been a writer as well. Uh, I grew up, uh, in a musical family, not my dad played guitar and stuff, but mostly just like a lot of music, like um, everything from my, my parents love country and I grew up on country music, but also the Eagles and the Beatles and, you know, classic kind of bands. So, yeah, I mean, I've always been writing. I grew up with the pop artist, Andy Grammer. We were like best friends since third grade. And um, we were just kind of obsessed with music. We would like chase John Mayer around like the Northeast and go to all these shows and just fun stuff like that. Andy's dad is actually a Grammy-nominated children's singer, Red Grammar. Go check him out. But um, Andy Path, you know, we both were like, we're going to do music. And we had no idea what that meant. And he just decided to be an artist, which he didn't know what that meant. And I was like, "Uh, I'm too type A for that. Or I have at least a little bit type A in me. And um, so I went to business school. And then once I came into this job in booking... I just started booking Andy Grammer on everything I booked, whether that was like a ludicrous show or a country show. There's a rabbit hole there, Haley, of how like kind of we got connected there. I guess long story short, a mutual friend of ours, how we met Haley. I booked a show at, it was the University of Oregon, right? Yep. Where you were going. No, I went to U of I. I went to University of Idaho. She's very proud of that. 
So we, we can't get that wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I told this story last week on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So so they do remember, yeah, I we had a we have a mutual friend, but we got connected. I connected Josh and one of his good friends, Mark, who's our mutual friend. And Mark said one day, he said, hey, I actually know Josh because of you. But I had never met Josh until last year. So, you know. The talent buying job that I was talking about is the one that basically connected us all in in um, the, the quickest way to tell the story. I was working on the business side, just building my songwriting thing on the side, writing, writing, writing. This was in New York. Andy had already moved to LA and he was busking on the street trying to figure out his artist thing. And um, he was begging me to move out there, dude, like, come help me set up my amps on the promenade. And I'm like, why would I want to do that? That sounds horrible. He's like, I have a great spot in front of McDonald's. Like, it's crazy. I'm like, all right, that sounds terrible. So I got a job offer to move out uh, and partner with an artist manager. And at the time, again, I was in booking, we were like, oh, we both do different things, but we can kind of make a multifaceted company out of this. So I moved to LA. I introduced Andy to the manager that hired me. Uh, we ended up signing Andy and then we got him his record deal. And um, we we had an, a number of successful songs with him. And again, all the while I started becoming a music manager because we had a small company and like Haley, I don't know Charlie and Miguel as well, but I'm sure you guys do a million things. Haley wears more hats than anyone I've ever seen in my life. Um, (laughs) But I was managing Andy. I was running the booking agency still looking for new talent. I was a songwriter on the side. I was writing for licensing. I I mean, it's just doing a hundred things. And I think um, knowing that a lot of creators are listening, I always encourage people to, and in a healthy way, try to have a few things going, not a hundred million mm. things, but a few things because, you know, you're building things as others are growing and it gives you time. So um, that's what I was doing. We're managing Andy. I start dabbling in more songwriting in LA, specifically in licensing. I had a movie in um, in the Lucky Ones with Zac Efron, that movie um, mm. in the trailer. Oh, I love that movie. How did we not, how have we not talked about this? Oh, that's such a good one. <laughs> and it was one of those situations, I think, you know, when you go to Vegas and like, if you gamble or not, whatever, you, even if you use a slot machine, like the first coin you put in is usually a winner. Like it, it feels like it's just hmm. so rigged to just pull you in. It's like, yeah, oh, this is so easy. Like, you know, so that's what happened. I think it was like the first song I ever talked to a licensing guy about. He's like, here's a bunch of money for your song to be in a movie trailer, which I found is like, doesn't happen that easily ever. But, it, but like, you know, just <laughs> it did that time. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. the way of being like pulling you in. So then I was I was going back and forth to Nashville quite a bit because, like I said, I, I've come from country music and I love that music. So I was trying to build my relationships there. And um, to wrap, I, I don't want to just go on and on in a long story, but I ended up recently leaving the management company and diving kind of headfirst into doing my own thing full time. And like I said before, that still is multifaceted. I'm still helping hmm. using using you know um, my experience in the booking agent, uh, the booking world to help brands and folks like Haley, but a lot of it is focused on my own writing. And I, uh, I have an artist career called Josh Logan. That's pop country. I write for pop artists and country artists as well. And then I have a publishing deal with a company called Position Music, who's more focused on music licensing and putting songs in TV and film and such. So kind of long-winded, but that's kind of the... So basically, Josh does all the things in music that you can do. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking listening to this is it's reminding me of this is I know it's something common across all types of creators is that we're all building what I call portfolio careers, right? Where you're not just doing one thing. You can never just describe yourself with one word because you're like, I do this, but also this, and then also this. And like, none of it's the main thing. It all comes together to, you know, form this weird and wonderful career. So, I mean, also Josh, we invited you on here to tell our stories and to talk about yourself. So you don't have to apologize for yeah. going on about that. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's why, um, I mean, this, this is one of the reasons why I wanted Josh to come on so badly because, you know, there is this, I think this perception that if you're going to do something in music that you have to do one thing and you have to do that one mm. thing really well in order to make it. And before we were talking, before we actually went, went live, Miguel is, this, this is funny. Cause Miguel was like, Hey, d- don't, don't talk about this too much. Let's save this. Let's save this for the show. But we were talking about this idea of making it, you know, like what actually is making it in the music industry. And for Josh, he does so many different things. And the person like, what is, what is making it in booking? What is making it as an artist? What is making it as a writer? What is making it? And they're all different, you know, and they're all going to take your career into totally different trajectories. I would like to hear how Josh defines this though. Like what is making it mean to you, Josh, for your career as a whole? Mm. Since I have that portfolio goal and, and the different things like, I mean, making it in general, I think as a whole is I think any industry is like doing something you love for an occupation that can mm. pay the bills, right. That, that you can live off of that. Mm. You, that can provide for your family. Like to me, that's the ultimate goal is like, how can I do things I love that make me happy, that fill me up, that that's my job. You know what I mean? Like if, if that's my job, then I feel like I've made it right. But especially in America is like, it's just more, 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 the grass is always greener. Right. It's like, and that's something that I definitely battle with, especially like, you know, my artist career. Cause I just, I just released my first song like a year and a half ago or two years ago or something. And it's a huge mountain to climb to try to build an artist career. So it's so easy to get impatient, especially if I'm coming from working on artist careers who are very successful. It's like, okay, so I'm at the bottom of the mountain. Mm. This sucks. You know, and, and it's it's daunting and all that. But the idea, I think, as I mentioned before, is if you can have the multifaceted portfolio where you can be doing other things that are still in your world, I think that's the way to do it. So, I mean, making it is so hard. I, I think the way I defined it is better to keep it like zoomed out because I don't know what I would say for each of the things, you know, but haven't I mean? you ever felt like, like when you saw, you know, mm-hmm. Willie's song. So I think I've mentioned this before, but, um, Willie Jones, one of our last couple creator sessions, uh, Josh was a co-writer on his song, American dream, which I think is a, is a really beautiful and well done song, which is about a black person's essentially experience in America and what his American dream looks like and how it's different. And Josh was a co-writer on that. And, um, that was a really cool moment for us to like share that, you know, it was actually the first time in creator sessions that we had to pay Josh for licensing, you know, like that, that just felt really cool. But didn't you feel like in that moment when you saw that on, you know, Jimmy Fallon, like him performing this song that you helped co-write that you essentially made it right. Like that was validation in, in so many ways, or like when the lucky one, you know, like, isn't that validation in your career type thing? So do you have this like little, these little moments like of like, yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> you know, totally. I mean, I'm trying to get better at that. As I mentioned, I think our culture is bad at that, like celebrating mm-hmm. little victories. And I know that I've been bad at that, 
you can't see them. And I, I have some plaques on the wall over here that are like from my work with Andy and Rachel. But in my mind, I'm like, when I see them, I'm like, oh, those are great. But I, now I want plaques of songs that I wrote. Right. It's like, it's such the American, just like, you can't just look, you know, you can like say that's great. But then it's like, there's always this, but right. It's like, but, and yes, I, I, there's absolute validation in, in all the little victories, like, you know, seeing on Fallon was like a special moment. It was the first time I had that. I had a song with Janet Kramer last year on country radio called beautiful lies. That was really cool. A number of really cool things. I, I recently wrote a song with Darius Rucker that he's recording. So like you have your moments, right? But trying to see the best way to say this. And this is almost as funny. I, I like doing these because do you guys ever realize you end up kind of giving yourself advice on All these? The <laughs> you know what I mean? You like say something and you're like, yeah, I should do that more. But what I was going to say that that made me think of that is like making it or the little victories I think we have like in music, you have to like detach that in some way to like the financial gain. Right. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is mm-hmm. having the song on Fallon isn't like changing my life financially. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's someone said to me, actually, our mutual friend, Haley, Mark, he's like, dude, you know how, how, like how many people don't have the opportunity to see their song on Fallon. So it's, yeah. it's the weirdest mind game to be like, you know, it's so easy to be like, well, I didn't really make that much money on that. And uh, so like, let me move on to something where I can make more money and like, like completely sort of brush past a moment that was actually like a great moment. But on the flip side of that, you can't totally forget about that because then I think you run into a very common problem of creators, which is they don't set goals that are going to allow them to keep creating because in order to keep creating, you have to make X amount of money, unless you're living in your mm. parents' you know mm. basement and you have no bills or anything. But if if you're if you're if you're like an adult living in your own place or something, you have to make money, right? So mm. it's it's how do you balance celebrating victories regardless of finances with continuing to keep a focus on things that do make you the money that allow you to keep doing music? Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's like. I hear two things in that. One is that as creators, when we reach a goal, the goalposts like immediately move. And so we never we don't get a chance to celebrate the goal where it was because it's already further ahead for us as ambitious types of folks. And yeah, this is why, we, I mean, we've titled this episode, The Realities of Making It in Music, because it's it's all well and good to talk about the dream and that side of things. But you're right. There's the reality at the end of the day, you need to be able to live and eat and that money has to come from somewhere as well. I saw someone say this recently, but it speaks exactly to what you're saying is we don't love the finish, right? We don't love, was it? We don't love the finish. We love the journey, something along mm. the lines of that. This idea that when you're, and, and the person was specifically talking about like winning an award, you walk up there and you win the award. And to, to Charlie's point, use her words, the goalpost moves. Like as you're walking up to give your acceptance speech, your yeah. post is moving. You're already thinking about the next thing. But if you focus on the journey and, and, and all the Fallon along the way or this co-write or this cool thing in a movie, that's actually the things that you, you, you love, like the, the little victories. But if you're not, which I'm, I'm guilty of, if you're not like celebrating or taking a second to be like, wow, that was awesome, then what are we doing? 
then it's like, I, I like to do, I'm like, wait a sec, what is going on? Because I'm not cel- having like celebrations. I'm just moving the posts all the time. Mm. You know, who said that um, actually in her creator session that we haven't, we haven't released yet. Brittany Spencer, who's um, a black female country artist. Um, I'm so excited to share her episode. It's beautiful. And it was beautifully shot, which makes it like really good. But she says the journey is the dream for her is what she said. Mm. She's like, and, and I really loved that because she wasn't necessarily talking about like a specific, you know, an award that she wanted to win or a Grammy or something. She was just saying like the journey is the dream, like walking on the journey of making music and figuring out how to do this thing that she loves. That was the dream. And I, I see a lot of that Josh in your career because you did this other side, you did the business side of things for so long. And now, you know, without mentioning, you know, age or whatever, we'll say, you know, young, middle life, whatever you have young kids, you know? So, so I'm like, old. And, no, <laughs> now no, that but, you're ancient. now that you're ancient, but no, now that you're, we'll just say like in your thirties, you know, now that you're in your thirties, you're saying like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, do this other thing that brings me a lot of joy. Right. And that's, it's you taking, I wouldn't call it necessarily a risk. It's just a step in fulfilling this second, this other level or a different type of dream that you have in the music space. And it's just all part of part of the journey. And that's a really cool thing to see come to fruition. You know, when you're posting online and you're building your social following and you're talking about your new songs that you're releasing, or you're seeing the number of streams that you hit on Spotify, you know, even though those things don't have a ton of maybe, you know, streams don't give you a ton of monetary benefit necessarily, but it's like, you're taking one step to accomplish this thing. And that's just part of your, that's part of your journey, but you're such a, a unique kind of person. Cause all, at least, at least for all the people that we book with creator sessions, right. The vast majority of them that are young in their career, early in their career, they might have like this other side hustle, right? Like Brittany Spencer, actually, Mind you, she's like premiering on the Opry in two days. Okay. She's like a premiering at the Opry and for, you know, people that are country music fans or not country music, that's like a big debut, your Opry debut. And she's still a waitress, you know, like that's her reality, you know, and you've diversified your income in multiple, you know, multiple different ways. And it makes you able to to go chase this goal a little bit later in your life because you've built up these other monetization methods, you know whether it's talent booking or management or, you know, licensing your music. And it's just so smart. It's just a smart way to do this. And it's also a smart way to me, at least it makes it like, there's not so much pressure on something on your art being so good. And, and like you're a song, like having to perform or whatever, getting a record deal. You're not, you don't have this like looming. I have to do this in order to feed my family. Right. It's like, this is something that I want to pursue, but you're not necessarily relying on that to provide for your family. Right. I think art is the hardest when it when you have all those pressures. If I didn't have another job and I had to go to a writing session every week knowing in the back of my head that if I didn't write something special enough to make money, that things would, you know, there would have to be, you know, a a giant change or that I would have to quit this. I think one, that would be horrible Two, I don't think the art would be as good because you have some insane pressure on you all the time. And when you can create an environment for your art to sort of grow a little under a little less pressure, I think that's when you're going to find the most success. Yeah. Um, let me jump in here real quick. So (laughs) 
Miguel. <laughs> Me and Haley are just like, let us talk to Josh. <laughs> it's my turn, okay? All right. No, uh, so it's it's been nice to kind of just sit back and listen, though, because I'm kind of tying in a lot of your answers, Josh, to a question that I wanted to ask anyways, which is, you seem like you've managed to really diversify the amount of things that you work on sometimes as a creator, someone sometimes as somebody who's facilitating other creators to kind of be their best or succeed, or, you know, sometimes to, to get more out of a creator or break them out of maybe they're stuck or, or whatever the, the challenge is. And I wonder if that, where exactly that comes from, does that come from a place of like, I want to diversify the things that I do so I can diversify the, like, is it diversifying income streams because I'm sometimes working here and working there and just kind of being all over the place? Or is it just coming from a place of you just kind of find yourself in these situations and you just are, are going for it? Like, is that by accident or is that intentional, I guess, is my question. I think definitely intentional. And it's a good question. I haven't thought about that specifically. I think when you said that, it made me think of like, while I was in management, there was a lot of moments when, you know, Andy and Rachel were like number one and two in the world, Honey, I'm Good and Fight Song and everything was going great. And I was still, I was day-to-day manager, VP of the company. And then I also had the concert agency. I'm booking like 50 shows a year. Like, and then I'm also trying to write, you know, and even in those moments, my brain was working in a way where I remember um, meeting with the, the president of the company at the time. And he's like, should we just get rid of the concert agency. Like, because in that moment, it wasn't making maybe as much as everything else. And always in the back of my mind, for some reason, and maybe this is like from my dad or something. My dad was like, he's um, like a savvy business guy. Um, and maybe just growing up in his advice, maybe that's where it came from. But I always thought like that the concert agency in that moment was always my like um, backup plan. Like I just got used to this idea of, I don't just want to be like on the high wire with no net underneath. You know what I mean? Because maybe I just knew that management was so intense that one day it was just the the ride there was going to be just too much. And maybe I was always just trying to set up, you know, that next move. Cause I, I built the talent buying thing myself from, See, I can I can date myself. I don't mind. Um, Haley's already outed you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 84 years old. <laughs> you look great. I'm 36, but I built. I started building the the talent buying thing right out of college. So even when I left there, I just felt this need to like, okay, I've, I've built this thing. I'm going to take it with me, even though I remember my uh, coworker, the guy I worked for at the time, was not happy with like, I'm going to take these clients with me. But I think I just have always had this thought of like maybe thinking a few steps ahead, having backup plans. And that's kind of where it's come from. Because then when I wanted to leave management, yes, it was a risk. Yes, it was scary, a lot more scary in the moment. But I was like, oh, I have this company that I've built that I can now run myself. And I've always wanted to spend more time on my art and my writing and my you know artistry. So I was just like, that's perfect. Like a side hustle that I've been doing forever that in some ways I can kind of do in my sleep, right? I have the relationships. I, I'm just like, it just happens. And then I can spend time on this other stuff. So something that would take me like, and this is when I, when I, why I credit just so much of creator session success directly to Josh, because I, like I said, our friend Mark, he was like, I was like, yeah, so my bosses want me to like do this like once a week, you know, they want me to do one of these one a week. Could you believe that? Like, how do I do that? Uh, and our friend Mark's like, well, you need to talk to Josh, you know? And 
he could get an answer on talent in an hour, you know, type of thing because of relationships that he's built. So I love that because it's, um, I will pay Josh as much. Like I'd never want him to leave me. You know, he's worth every penny that we spend on him. Haley, as the person in charge of our budget, please don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but my point is, is that we've, we've built this system and it's like when you're booking talent, you know, it's like, it's just such a smart way to, it's smart is my point. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like you've created this pretty, maybe not necessarily in COVID times and creator sessions jumped in there and was like, now you're booking things for like online stuff, which is like something we, everybody in the world had to like all of a sudden learn how to do. It's like you said, a safety net. One thing I'll say to that. And this just reminds me of, um, that when I was in the management company and maybe it was just for some of the people that I worked with, or maybe I was just creating a false belief in my head, but I always like, it's a victory for me that we're on right now here. I'm talking to Haley who I do talent buying for, but she's also like fully in and understands that I'm also an artist and she's accepting Mm -hmm. of it because I think there's a fear and there's an insecurity around like, I also do something else. Like when I was in management, like I was... Oh, we've had this conversation internally hundreds of times, right? Because we all have a lot of people at our team have side hustles and it's a celebrated thing. So I think it's a culture thing too, for sure. And and I'm not telling like, because some places it might not be accepted, but I I love that I've come to a point in, in my career and in my life that like, that they're all connected and it's all celebrated and everyone's cheering everyone on. And that's just okay. And not okay. Not only okay, but great because, you know, we're sitting here talking to creators that are listening. I don't want to ever use the word camp, but it's, it's rare that you're just going to like pick up a guitar, sit at a piano or pick up a, a camera or whatever it is you do. And on day one, just think you're going to like, you know, be making money and, and, and fund your career. So like a side hustle is not um, anything to basically be ashamed of. Like I remember a lot of like sort of, sort of hiding and hush hush in my past around like that. I do other things. You know, I think I was scared that maybe the person I was working for would, would think that I was taking away from the time doing that or whatever, but I don't want to blanket encourage everyone to go into their office tomorrow Mm -hmm. and tell their boss that I do a hundred other things. Ha! Like, I'm not saying that (laughs) I'm just saying, think about the idea. Cause I, I, the idea that um, that it is okay, and I personally will say I think it's great, and I think it's necessary. So, if anyone is like thinking that you know is, is embarrassed or feels weird about that, like throw that in the trash. Like I, I think it's it's a necessary thing. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about um, your Patreon. Yeah, I want to tell the people about your Patreon, and I also um, would love to hear about what the purpose of it for you is, like what you're trying to do with it, what you've seen and how you've seen success as an artist using Patreon. So basically all the things. All the things. (laughs) Patreon to me is the best revenue stream that I found because we're in a world that streaming royalties are such garbage. And in my opinion, like Spotify and all the streams and the monthly listeners is all this like it's more of an ego game. It feeds mm. your ego. It's like, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're at a show and some, oh, how many monthly listeners do you have? It's like, what are we talking about? Like, I'm trying to build a career where I can keep doing this. And in order to do that, I have to find ways to make money. You know, I'm literally uh, making 0.004 at the most per stream since like uh, fractions of pennies on mm. Spotify. So like, even with, you know, I have about 45,000 monthly listeners, like it's still you're not even going to pay your rent on that. So mm-hmm. I, when I started my own artist career, I just started really trying to immerse myself in like, how can I 
make a living doing this? Where, where can I even see a path? Like I don't need to make a living day one or even year one or even year five, but what's a, something that looks like a realistic path. And Patreon was the, the one that stuck out to me. I had known some people who did it, I've done some research, knew someone over at Patreon and just tried to learn about it. Just like anything else, they, there's nothing easy. I would say in the music industry, probably for any creators, like if someone is doing something like this is simple, then Tell me what that is, please. Because I, I, there's none of it is simple. And Patreon has been... The reason it's worth the lift, the heavy lift or the work is because I think there's... Like I said, I, I see a path to financially being able to... you know, A couple of years from now, being able to basically support a little career you know, there. So it started... Uh, uh, I was on Songland. This was kind of like a stars align, like the world is telling me to do something moment when I left management... Within like a week, I get a call from Songland. I'm on Songland. I'm on TV. People are telling me like, you got to start releasing your own music. And I've always kind of wanted to, but like, I'm not really trying. I've got young kids. I'm not trying to go tour the world right now. It all happened. I started releasing music and I built the Patreon. And at first I had like no patrons, right? Because it's like, again, like it's like when people release music and they just go like, they think like just releasing the song is, is like the thing. It's like, it's not, you know, there's a hundred million things. So um, I built the Patreon based on um, what a lot of other people were telling me works. And the, and the big thing that people really enjoy is I do a monthly Zoom concert where I kind of do a meet and greet with everyone that's there. I usually, I think I have like 60 patrons now. And I think about half of them show up for the monthly concert on and off. So it's been really special during COVID to, um, you know, we don't get to hang with people during COVID. So it's like I'm hanging once a month with um, people from, we've got people from France, the UK, Canada, and just like meeting cool new people. Trying to like wrap up these thoughts because there's so many different ways to talk about Patreon. But to me, I think it's the best the best choice that I've found for creators in general to see a path to making some kind of living. I love it because I don't know about other creators, but I'm kind of sick and tired of, of, I'm not really a big social media guy. It's not my number one strength Mm -hmm. in general. And then throw the, you know, all the algorithms in and the gatekeepers and the, Mm -hmm. and then I'm literally like, can I just cancel all my social media accounts? Because Mm -hmm. it's like, it's crazy. So like I, my goal is... It's exhausting is what it is. And it's exhausting enough, like I said, on its own. But then you throw in these algorithms and the now everything, you basically, if you want anyone who follows you to see stuff, then you have to pay. And it's like, where am I supposed to get the money? We're all, we're all we're creators out here trying to build a career from nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're immediately trying to like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, deflate Hashtag. that. So. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So, and I get it. Listen, business is business. And it, my goal is not to go uh, and try to jump in the ocean with, as an artist, with like Luke Bryan and and, and Blake Shelton, Keith Urban, and, and think I'm going to like go up against them. Like, I, I want to go the opposite way. I want to build this like little puddle that I'm like the King Koopa frog in the puddle. And I've got <laughs> like, you know, uh, just like, you know, 500 super fans. And we just like, have our own little world. Like that's my goal. And Patreon is perfect for that. It's like, it's direct relationship, no algorithm in the way. I even have the text. I do. I'm big on the texting platforms and I'm big on direct communication. I email with people like 
no gatekeepers, no algorithms, not yeah. allowing me to talk to you. Like I, I'm done with the, the gatekeeper situation. You know what I mean? I just want to be in a world with the people who love what I do and we can just hang and they support me in what I do. And I support them back by giving them music and positivity and encouragement. So Patreon is exactly that. Yeah. I was going to say to circle back though, I think what I'm hearing you say is that making it is being the king. Did you say King frog in your 500 of your super fans? In In your puddle. Yeah. But that's like what you're, you know, to like circle back to the very beginning. Like that's really what, what your version of making it actually is, right? You're not trying to be Blake Shelton. That's not Josh making it. That'd be cool. You know, because then I would know Josh Logan, who's like Blake Shelton, you know, Um, but your version of making it is essentially earning a living, which is like the entire ethos of ConvertKit, right, is earning a living doing work that you love. I mean, you could not have said this more perfectly, like to, to an audience, like to our audience, right. Which is have a direct relationship with your fans, right. Mm -hmm. Or your, your audience. Like you could not have laid that out and hammered in all the things that we say more, you know, every day and all the content is how important that relationship is. Also, the last conversation that we had last week was all about, you know, making a living off of your super fans, right? Our, our number was a thousand and it's like the, you know, the general, you know, if you have a thousand super fans by a hundred dollars, right. You know, that's a hundred thousand dollars a year that you can, can live on. And I think that that for your artist career, like that's you making it there, having that relationship with your fans. I think Patreon is such a great way to do that, especially for, for musicians. The last thing I'll say, two things. One, just to address what you said, the thousand fans, um, like making a hundred dollars off each is, is the goal. But I remember when I heard that it sounded a lot easier than it is like just for everyone, mm-hmm. like it's we said that. hard. Yeah. It is so yeah. hard. Oh my gosh. Like, Again, I'm a new artist. I'm impatient, like, but I put in like crazy grunt, like grassroots kind of work. And it's hard. It is hard to get people to open up their wallets and support you, but it is possible if you put in the time. So I just wanted to say that because I, when I had heard that, I'm like, oh, that's just so simple. And now I started telling everyone like, oh, just a thousand fans. And like, (laughs) it's it's not just a thousand, like it is a thousand thousand. fans. Like it is, it is a lot. So just a a bite of reality on that. But I, but I believe in that. I, I do believe that that's true. And then the last part I'll just say on the Patreon is, after I was on Songland, which is a TV show on NBC about songwriting, if you haven't heard, seen it, check it out. I started getting hit up a lot from people, all sorts of writers in all sorts of genres, because I don't, I write everything. I was actually on the Black Eyed Peas episode pitching a pop song. And then my music, my artist career is country. And in the licensing world, I'm like writing choruses for rappers. And like, I I do a lot of different stuff. So a lot of people started hitting me up with looking for feedback and looking for questions and how do I get on the show and Mm. how, what was your story? So to me, I sort of, I already had a tier, like a top tier in my Patreon that was kind of like this ambiguous, like for like a crazy super fan that wanted to support on a high level I had talked to someone at Patreon that just said, sort of leave that one ambiguous and like, you know, almost like on a per person basis, like, you know, talk to the person if they want to come in and pay you 150 bucks a month, like see what they want to get out of it and come mm-hmm. to some mutual thing. So it sort of became its own thing. When all these people started reaching out for advice, I put it in that bucket. So like uh, now that top tier, the only people that are in it currently are really like um, people I mentor and people I coach really in music in general. Some people just want to be writers. Some people want to be artists. Some people um, Mm. 
just want to like learn how to write a song because they've always dreamt of like writing music and, and they don't have any goals of being a writer. So if anyone is looking for like a mentor, as, as you've heard, you know, I have a lot of experience in this business and I've learned through, I'll credit Andy Grammer on this. He's like probably the most incredible human I've ever met. I always knew that I, I loved service and helping people, but Andy takes that to a new level. And like, we were in the same proximity for 15 years or I mean, geez, our whole lives. And mm-hmm. he's really inspired me to like service to other people. Like I really do have a passion for helping young, not just young, any creators who are struggling, any creators that are trying to figure it out as we just spent, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes talking about this industry. Um, I get a lot of joy out of what I call it is like, I've stepped on a lot of landmines in my career and the idea of like grabbing someone's hand and just being like, Hey, don't step there, do this, Mm -hmm. step over this. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I could save people years and thousands of dollars and not that I know it all by any, but at least they won't step on the same ones that I will. So check out my Patreon if you um, are interested in, in anything like that. And that's patreon.com slash Josh Logan music for anyone listening to the audio version. And we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Do you know what I think we should do, Haley? Is I think we should have Josh back on to do an episode just about Patreon for musicians. Because I feel like I have so many more questions and we're already at like 40 minutes of this show. So You guys, I knew, I knew that this was going to be such a good episode. Like I said, I feel like I brag about Josh all the time. I really do. I like in my personal life, I'm like, oh yeah, Josh, you know, he just makes me, <laughs> but um I knew I wanted you to come on here because you're just, you're so, you have such a servant heart and I can, I can definitely speak to that. And Josh goes above and beyond on, uh, helping me with creator sessions. And I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm so grateful, but I didn't just want him on here to brag about all the things that he does for me for creator (laughs) sessions, but I wanted him to, you know, talk to our audience about, you know, the realities of making it in music and what that looks like for him and his experiences. And I think we did that today and we'll definitely have you on again to talk more about Mount Patreon, but Josh, to close out, maybe give us, tell the people where they can find you Instagram. I think you use community. Obviously we had Patreon on here, but you know, tell the people all the places. Instagram, Josh Logan music. Before he, before he shuts it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before, all, before yeah. I, I quit social media, but Instagram is kind of like uh, the main one I use. I have a uh, Facebook at Josh Logan music official. I am really active on community, the texting. Jeez, let's see if I can remember the number. 310-299-9297, I believe. But in all my... Uh, on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, it's right there in the bio. And again, I'm just a big fan of like removing the gatekeeper, removing the algorithm. And I just want to get to know people personally. Like on the community... Like, yes, I tell people when my music is coming out, but I'll just like read something that I'm inspired by. And the idea that I can send someone like in a text, like the other day, I was just like, I saw something just said like, it was one of those stupid memes. Like you are awesome. You are enough. You are worth it or something. And I'm just like, I have 400 people on my text. Like that'd be a cool thing for people to get. And then like, you get a flood back of people that just, oh my gosh, how did you know I needed this? You know what I mean? Like this idea that you can connect with people it's a weird mix of what I did like with Andy Grammer was like this world takeover thing with like Rachel Platten. And like when you're taking over the world, you can, they actually both did a great job of like meeting so many people and doing great things. But for me, like I want to do like the opposite, like this mini little world where like actually my super fans are like my people, like, mm-hmm. like a lot of them text me, Hey, how's your kid? How was the baseball game? Like, this is like literally like the, the, the level of, 
relationship we have. And when you can get sort of tied in with people on that level, like those people are going to support you forever, no matter what it is, new t-shirt, new song, new video, whatever it is. So, uh, you know, I encourage people to put that time in, you know, I recently um, started waking up at 5am DMing everyone that follow me on Instagram just because I was like, I've never talked to everyone on Instagram. Like, so I, I, I think I got a little carpal tunnel and stuff from that. Yeah. But like, you, you don't realize like people are like, Oh my gosh, you reached out. I'm like, yeah, like you support my music. Like everyone thought I was a bot. They're like, Oh, they're like, say cheeseburger, avocados. Like they were like testing if I'm a bot. Like they ask you to say things because the bot wouldn't be able to say, I didn't know that was a thing, but anyway, connect with your people. Like <laughs> even if you have a hundred followers, like talk to these yeah. people. Isn't this the way though, that, that the world was actually like, if you look back hundreds of years, right? Like you have these people that live in your, before the internet was a thing, you know, and you have the, you have communities of people and you know, all of your neighbors, right. And you have this community of people that's like pretty small. Wouldn't that be cool to like go back to maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I, I, I love the idea of taking that concept and applying it to this big world that we live in with the internet. It's gotten too big. It's yeah. gotten, it's gotten so vast and it's gotten, everyone's just like, I'm going to just post this and then just like, leave it. I did my job. I posted that. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not really yeah. buying into that as much. Like, of course make the post, but then it's like, that's just the, like the first step of many. That's the beginning of your puddle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's the drop. Yeah. The beginning of your puddle. Well, friends, I think we're going to call it. We've, we've gone, gosh, 48 minutes. I always get really anxious when I have to close these things out. I never say it right. So I'm just going to say, I think we're done today, friends. I think we are too. Thanks you know, for joining us, I think Josh. we are too. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.